Welcome to Buffy Boyfriends. We're boyfriends watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I am your super fan, Sam. And I'm Mike. Uh still haven't landed on the the what I am, but mm. but what I the I guess the the catchy phrase for what I am, but I've never seen Buffy. Uh and I, I'm the newbie on the rewatch or the, my watch your rewatch. My, Happy Sunday. <laughs> who knows how many rewatches this would be for me. Uh, we are here to talk Lie to Me, which is season two, episode seven, uh, written and directed by the creator of the show, Joss Whedon, of course. Boo. <laughs> uh, and featuring Jason Bear, who plays Ford, um, which he's most known for being a lead actor on the show Roswell, which I've never seen. Um, but I've been doing a lot of thinking this week uh, as Party Down has is coming back and Roswell is now in the conversation here. I'm kind of like, there are so many shows when you like when you're in high school and you're like, hey, I'm gonna make TV my personality. You hear about <laughs> all the previous shows that have come to us, like Party Down, Arrested Development, Roswell, X Files, Buffy itself. You're kind of like you, you have to pick and choose what you're gonna catch up on. Roswell, definitely a cultural blind spot for me. I have no idea what that show's about at all. Never seen it. Me neither, but I just pulled up this guy's Wikipedia, and it looks like he was on the original and the revival Roswell. So he, yes. he's deep in in the CW world. He was in every episode of the original, um, I've and, and I forgot that there was a revival. I'm yes. really not in on my Roswell. Sorry to the Roswell stands out there. Apologies. Uh, and then he was also in The Grudge and Supergirl, the TV show. Anyway, yeah. Michael, Mike, Michael, as the Google Meet calls <laughs> you, what's up? <laughs> what's up? Um, not too much. It's we're it, it's a it's a Sunday. Uh, feeling like I don't know what time of day or day of the week it is. That's the kind of vibe it is this morning. And it's just kind of a, a lazy morning. Same here. I mean, as you well know, uh, last night I went to bed with the intention to get up and run 18 miles today and then didn't. So <laughs> I, uh, for, for a myriad of reasons. But, you know, I'm not I'm taking it in stride and I really needed usually meant usually running helps my mental health. But I knew that if I went on a run today, it would make me feel way worse. So, you know, you, you got to take it as it comes. Yeah, I woke up this morning and I watched the episode and I downloaded well I did this yesterday but I downloaded Catan on my phone because we played it yesterday in person so I'm trying to get into that game but I'm not very good at it yet you realized you needed to up your skills yeah I got playing with a master I I gotta do some resource management uh and then I Am, I've also been doing the artist way for the last few months, and I just started my last week this morning. Um, so I'm ready to say goodbye to these pages. Beautiful. <laughs> in no, yeah. six short days. I'm proud of you. Uh, when I, it's your first time trying it, and you actually made it all the way to the final week, which I feel like is not the case for everybody who does it. Uh, so you really know how to stick to things. Well, I've definitely cheated, so... Well, sure, but at least you're, like, carrying through, you know? Yeah. But, you know, we're not here to talk about the artist's way or or Settlers of Catan. Uh, we're here to talk about lying. Uh, so true. And this is where I'll apologize for you to, for, to you for lying to you all week. 
<laughs> but no, yes, we are, and we're not even alone to talk about lying to one or the other of us. Uh, we're joined by someone who, like, how do I even begin to describe? She is one of my oldest fandom friends. Uh, we met on Tumblr over 10 years, no, or, no, yeah, over 10 years ago, uh, primarily discussing the Lizzie Bennet Diaries uh, YouTube series Pride and Prejudice adaptation told through the vlogs of Elizabeth Bennet. Uh, but she's also a huge Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan and a writer for the upcoming TV show Lucky Hank with Bob Odenkirk. Uh, bringing her in, Taylor Brogan. What's going on? What's up? How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing so well. I have so much to say about the, the topics from the intro. By the way, <laughs> sure, let's hear it. Yeah. Well, so first of all, absolute criminal oversight to not have seen the original Roswell. <laughs> I don't that, even. Know, I know it's about aliens. Need to rectify it. Okay. Look. Let me just very quickly pitch you on Roswell. I'll do it so fast. Jason Kadams and Ronald D. Moore of Battlestar Galactica and Friday Night Lights came together and they made a teen soap about aliens that's like Romeo and Juliet in the desert. It's so funny. It's so weird. Like, deeply weird in a way that shows like, no teen soap today would have the audacity to be as bananas as that show um i think you would love it i watched i binged the fuck out of it um when i was unemployed my first like like first or second year in la um because i met one of the actors at atx uh who's become a close friend his name is nick wexler he plays like the jock boyfriend on that show but then like as as the show progresses his character becomes something completely different, which is one of my favorite things that happens on TV shows like this. Um, so, yeah, it's it's phenomenal, and please watch it. I mean, I'm pretty sold, just based on now knowing who the creators are. Love Battlestar Galactica, love Friday Night Lights, love Parenthood, and I just started watching uh, For All Mankind, which is one of Mike's favorite shows, which is mm -hmm. a follow-up to Battlestar Galactica from Ron Moore. Uh, all incredible stuff. Uh, a young Catherine Heigl also being like so sassy and so funny and you know I I feel that she's been done dirty by this industry that's all I'll say um yeah all right it's well I mean incredible. I'm I'm very I'd never been so interested in actually sitting down and watching Roswell well, now I'm yeah. yeah and just looking at the cast we got we got Claire from Lost uh mm -hmm the the person you mentioned nick wexler mm -hmm. he's on revenge i'm a big revenge yeah, head. He's uh, the bartender on revenge yeah okay tom hanks's son colin uh, hanks main colin character hanks. okay okay i'm i'm into it yeah That's i'm there um but <laughs> much like we're not here to talk about whatever <laughs> we were talking about before this is a roswell pod this, i mean it, it may become one it sounds right up both of our alleys but uh we're here to talk about buffy taylor i mentioned it a little bit in your intro but why are we here how did you get here this episode specifically buffy in general the whole thing yeah so um i i'll take you through my little personal buffy journey um my one of my good friends in high school had like the buffy box set it was um like a tower of of dvds it was huge um so i borrowed that one summer and i binged 
all of Buffy and all of Angel in, I'm not kidding, less than three weeks. Just, um, <laughs> That's so much. <laughs> it's so much. It's like 12 seasons of television, 22 episode, hour long episodes. All I did was watch those shows. I pulled several all-nighters. It was, I was disgusting. It was disgusting. I'm getting, um, I'm get, I just, I, I did some quick math and 254 episodes over 21 days is 12 episodes a day. Yeah. And I watched it faster than that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, was obviously really taken by Buffy. Um, it very quickly became my entire personality. I think it was a going into my senior year of, of high school when I watched it. Um, so, and this is like pre-streaming anyway. So binge the absolute hell out of it and um, and just really fell in love with it. And um, before that I was like a super stan of Gilmore Girls and I wrote a lot of like Gilmore Girls fan fiction. So I sort of fell into reading, not writing um, Buffy fan fiction and then like the rise of Tumblr kind of coincided with my introduction to Buffy. Um, Cause I think when I, my senior year of high school is when I got on Tumblr. Um, so yeah, just like really got into the Buffy fandom. And then I started reading the Buffy comics, which I think is like partially how um, Sam and I became friends too. Was mm -hmm. Like reading those comics. Um, and uh, yeah. And then, after college decided, well, I decided in college, but after college, I moved to LA to pursue a career writing TV. Um, and Buffy was super formative in that decision and in like the trajectory of my life. And before um, his cancellation, uh, I got to meet Joss Whedon a few times and like actually be excited about it <laughs> um, <laughs> and not like fuck off about it, um, which was fun and whatever um so yeah it's like deeply ingrained in my dna amazing and i i feel like anytime i ask someone about this who's like in our age bracket everyone's like yeah someone in my high school had all of the dvds and we passed them around between all of us and that's mm -hmm. how we all got super involved i mean three weeks is quick i watched it i watched all buffy and angel in probably like four months which is you know still an admirable but yeah. yeah it's still good i would say Okay. I mean, in my defense, it was summer and I didn't have, like, I was just, there was, no there was nothing else to do. It wasn't like I was competing with homework or a job. I was like a child in my mom's basement and this was my one goal <laughs> and I, I crushed it. <laughs> this is basically your summer reading. Yeah. Um, okay, both. So now, oh, and before we go further, probably I didn't say this, but in case it's not clear, Mike's never seen the show, so we're not talking about future episodes because okay. he doesn't know what happens. Um, so talk to uh, talk to me about lie to me. Why this episode? I gave you a lot of options for season two, and you were like, "Let's do this. Let's do this one." Um, I mean, the real reason is that Giles's speech at the end of the episode um, was like kind of burned into my memory of this show and something that I think about often um and also Buffy's reaction or you know the just the the lie to me moment of the episode um is such a good one and I think it's one of those moments too where like the fact that Buffy is still a kid herself um you're reminded of that that she's so young um and not this like 
fully formed person yet and her idea of the world is still coming into shape um so yeah i just think it's a really sweet moment and um i also like i think it's really funny that jason bear is in this episode just like objectively funny um and uh there's a character who comes back later and i won't say who it is but it's the introduction of a character um to the buffy verse uh that i think is really fun and funny all great answers mike first time watching lie to me uh what are your broad stroke thoughts on the episode yeah it was okay um <laughs> yeah i i think we're we're getting better and we're definitely past season one rockiness but i don't know something about these season two episodes i feel like they are we're getting really high highs where there there are certain episodes so far that I've like really loved in season two. And I don't know, this one was, it felt a little disposable to me. Um, I don't know. It was interesting because we got some good character development for Buffy. We learned a little bit more about her backstory, a little bit more about the vampire's backstory. Um, so I do like that the writers and the, and the story people of it all are adding in little nuggets that that build on the show's backstory and mythology even in episodes that don't really do much for the overall plot but yeah it was fine sam yeah. did you have any thoughts oh what well i mean i think or... this is kind of a classic i mean i think uh... that the final <laughs> especially the final speech that mike i mean that uh taylor references like i feel like that is a go-to quote like hmm. uh just talking about like all the villains wear black hats and like just the the knowledge that it's him sort of just telling her what she wants to hear uh and i feel like i even appreciate it even more on this rewatch just because this whole episode like obviously this whole episode is about everyone lying to each other and especially lying to buffy but i feel like given like the whole build, build up to her finally asking someone to lie to her uh and it's obviously not even what she actually wants to hear or like what she needs to hear as sometimes the lie is necessary as angel says which we can discuss later but i th i mean i i do agree like it's not like there was something in this episode that like changed the dynamics of any character relationship or anything um i'm not even sure cordelia is in this episode uh it, it's just I, it, she it's is so briefly oh yeah when she talks about marie antoinette but like i it, it's definitely not I feel like there's a lot of cultural conversation right now about like filler episodes with The Last of Us airing. And I mean, this is this would be a filler episode, but I think it's so vital to <laughs> the exploration of the characters that you can't call it that. And it, I think it's uh, I think it's kind of perfect, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I do agree that I think it's a little bit mid in terms of the like story of the week um but thematically i find it really potent and i think that um like buffy herself shines so much in this episode and like our understanding of who she is um that i i love it even if i'm like lol vampire club uh it was like perfect camp and also perfect character moments and that's why i love it sure i think that where it could have been stronger is if the ford character was someone we had known before the episode uh and it maybe 
maybe it could have been a character who find like if it had been some high schooler we've seen before, perhaps Jonathan uh, found out Buffy's a slayer and then has this overall concept to become a vampire himself. Instead, it's just kind of like he found out somehow <laughs> uh, before she was expelled from her old school and then is now dying. It also felt very like WB casting was like, we've got this guy. We've got to put him in something. Like, we've got this handsome, handsome man, and we we love him. Because um, they sort of, like, I love the early WB shows and how they kind of, like, pass um, hot boys around until they find a real home for them. Um, so this is, like, a classic example of, like, Roswell's about to happen. We've, we found this gem. Let's put him somewhere. And he's, like, not even a very good actor, but he's, like, Tall and kind of he he fits the mold to a T. Being on Gilmore Girls, similar exactly. status. Exactly. We gotta we gotta put him somewhere. We need wow. we have a handsome boy. We just don't have a leading role for him yet. Yeah. I almost um, forgot about Dean for a minute. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> so sorry. So I sorry. never forget about Dean. <laughs> but yeah, I think part of what I enjoyed about this episode was and this is again something i have commented on on character introductions in the past but i do like it when they bring a new character in that buffy doesn't need to like come out as a slayer to or really like buy them into what this world is they they're already they they know more than her at yeah at some point um and yeah i i think that is a an issue that some of these genre shows can sort of struggle with when they introduce new people and you have to sort of catch them up to what the concepts of the world is. Um, so I think Buffy and the Buffy writers are really good at just sort of plopping people into the craziness of Sunnydale and then letting them go. 100%. And we we just saw Ant-Man earlier this week, which is completely the opposite. Like, we, they, we are 15, we're 17, no, 15 years into this franchise, and the main characters are still going like, this is so weird. Like, I can't believe we're uh, tiny dudes fighting, like, guys who look like broccoli. It's like, if, but here in the 90s, this random dude is introduced, and he's like, yeah, I know about vampires. Like, let's actually do some plot stuff. Maybe he's like, oh, uh, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. No, no, no follow-up questions. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I think that Ford is a very interesting character, despite this being his only episode. Uh, I, 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 it, I, I, he isn't the first villain of the show who we pity or like have some kind of sympathetic moment for. Um, but it feels like the first very personal villain or like first one that Buffy actively cares about, or at least in a, in a major way. I guess I'm trying to really quickly rifle through the previous episodes. But it's like this guy who she was really good friends with for years. And like now, even though she recognizes he's like done something completely unforgivable, she still recognizes him as this person she's been so close with for so long. Yeah. And he's also not the first sort of like villain classmate character that has like a terminal illness. Has that, I feel like someone else had cancer or something. Was it one of those computer kids? Maybe. I know, I know what you're just thinking. I think I know what you're talking about. But I, yeah, I think that this is something that like 
I feel like this is just kind of something that comes up. And I definitely think of future episodes where there are people who are dying, but ugh, I can't think of what you're talking about right now. Sorry. Yeah. Is it the first time we've seen someone who like actively wants to become a vampire? I'm trying to track if that's the first time we've seen that in the show. That makes sense to me. I can't think of anything else, but it's been a while for me. Yeah. Um, what I didn't remember was that they actually did turn him. Like they totally unexpectedly, like to me anyway, Ford and Spike have been working together and Ford struck a deal with Spike to turn the Slayer over to him. Uh, and then at the end of the episode, they get trapped in the not the bronze, quote unquote, uh, Sunset Club set. Uh, and like, I just figured that they were just going to kill Ford. But then in the fi in the final moments during the speech, Ford still comes out of the ground. He does end up becoming a vampire and getting what, what he wanted. But Buffy got what she said she would do. And she's like, well, I'm going to kill you anyway. <laughs> then yeah. she got him. Yeah, I was surprised that they turned him too, because he had sort of like well surpassed his uh, usefulness to them and they were pissed at him. But it's a nice moment that she gets to stake him at the end. Definitely. I mean, yeah, they had no they had no reason to turn him at all from at any point. They could if even if Spike had killed Buffy, that I would never have expected Spike to actually then turn around and yeah. do what he said. Other than maybe respecting like how truly evil he was. <laughs> like this guy is like a real motherfucker. All right. If this is what he can Respect. do as a human. Think about what he'll do. Game recognized game. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I mean, this episode is a lot about Buffy and Angel also. Mm -hmm. the, the opening moments are Drusilla seeing this boy in the playground and almost killing him. And then Angel interrupts it and Buffy sees Angel talking to Drusilla. This is the first time Buffy's seen Drusilla, I guess. She must have been there at the end of the Halloween episode, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, uh, first time she recognizes who it is, uh, first time learning about her. And it's it creates a lot of tension between our leading couple. Yeah, there's a there's something there, and she doesn't know what it is, and I neither does Mike. <laughs> it's tough because I feel like they just had a, a great resolution to their relationship at the end of the last episode, where they have kind of they had their first real like lighthearted moment that wasn't really steeped in lying or secrets or uh the whole vampire niche the vampirist-ishness of it all um we can edit that out uh <laughs> maybe you can maybe i can um but they sort of immediately revert back to them not really communicating with each other uh hiding things from each other and it just feels like the writers don't want this I, I can't really tell. I can't really tell what they want to do with this relationship. Do they want them to, do they want us to root for this couple? And that's why they keep throwing these like roadblocks to their happiness or are there fundamental differences between Buffy and Angel and they can never be together. I don't know. That's interesting. I've never really thought about whether the writers want us to root for them. I think I've always just assumed that I'm supposed to be wanting them to get together. Taylor, do you, you think that they're actively trying to make us question if they should be together? I feel like it's all roadblocky stuff that we're supposed to be like, they can get through it. Yeah, I think they wanted us to root for them. Um, 
or at least wanted us to see why they want to be together. It's also like watching this as an adult, I'm so struck by how young Buffy is. Um, like I really, I hadn't thought about that lie to me moment in that context until I watched this episode and it was like, I feel like I was just like hit in the face by how young this character is um, and how fucking weird it is that this like centuries old vampire wants to date a high schooler. It's like so absurd, but I do think that they want us to think that they've got a, a real reason to be drawn to each other and a real reason to root for them. Um, and I also know like how the show plays out. And so just thinking of like in a non-spoiler way, like the structure of the show, I think it makes sense that they would want us to root for them at this point. Yeah. And I do agree that I feel like this episode is very intentionally hitting on how young Buffy is like, especially in her conversation with Angel when he's at her house and she's like, I love you. This is the first time she says that she loves Angel. And it's in this episode, in this line of dialogue where she also says that she doesn't trust him. It's like, she like, this is something that would only, only a 16 year old person would be like willing to even consider loving someone you don't yeah. trust. Yeah. Ugh. She's so young. <laughs> but like, the reason she doesn't trust him, is it because he he didn't tell her he he met with Drusilla or like ran into Drusilla or are there other like issues that they have not resolved beyond this episode? I think that the reason she said it in this episode is because of the Drusilla thing. Angel told her that he just stayed in and read last night when okay. Buffy knew that Drizzla and him had like spoken. But I, I mean, I do think that there are hanging threads from previous episodes where it's just kind of like clearly Angel isn't telling Buffy everything and like they, there are reasons not to trust him. Yeah. I interpreted it as like, I think Buffy trusts Angel with her life and trusts him on like a fundamental level of, I trust that you care about me and that you want to protect me but i don't think she trusts that he he's not op open or vulnerable with her and i don't think she trusts that she like knows him so it is a weird one i mean it yeah it's a very teenage thing to be like i love you but i don't trust you um because he he hasn't like given her uh like this is this is who i am um although i do love that he tells her about Drusilla and like once I mean once she presses him on it it's such a um I do think it's a really wonderful moment in their relationship for him to be like this is one of the worst things I've ever done and here's what it is um he doesn't like sugarcoat the reality of what he did to Drusilla um and it's also clear like that's why he can't or didn't kill her because he feels so guilty um I love being reminded of um what a bastard angel was and like <laughs> how guilty he feels definitely and i i mean i i think there's actually a lot of obviously in under the umbrella of recognizing that 
the relationship between Angel and Buffy is inherently unethical. I think there's a good moment in this conversation where after Buffy says she she loved him but doesn't know if she can trust him, Angel says, well, maybe you shouldn't do either. And Buffy said, hey, maybe I'm the one who should be able to decide whether I do that. Uh, and it does, I mean, Angel's kind of like, again, saying like, maybe don't love me. I'm not a good guy. Um, and then I feel like that reflects later when Buffy decides to be lied to or whatever uh and and at the end of this conversation angel tells buffy that she can't trust ford and so it's kind of like people are telling her who to trust people she doesn't know whether she can even trust the people who she's who are telling her who to trust uh and i feel like there's just a lot of good stuff here yeah um, spe speaking of Angel, I feel like we've been tracking a lot of Willow's thoughts on Angel in this season, and I feel like in this episode they become, or like it's all of, it's partially about them being friends too. Uh, I feel like we've never seen Willow and Angel interact this much before. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good for Willow that she builds out her, her friend circle beyond what it currently is, but I don't know that she should be forging a relationship with Angel. I feel like there are other characters for her to to become friends with. She's become better friends with Cordelia recently. Now she's working on Angel. Next she'll uh, work on Giles. But they're pretty close already. But, you know, I feel like this is the one relationship in the core cast that she hasn't really been too good about uh, keeping up. Jenny? It is one of my favorite things that TV shows do, like this kind of show, where they put two unlikely characters together and they it's like... What would it be like if we had like a B story that's Willow and Angel? Mm -hmm. um, well, this was the first time Angel had even gone to her house. True, she invited him in. She was a little. She was really awkward about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we hear Willow's mother downstairs, True. which is funny. Very funny to me. Have we met Willow's parents or Xander's parents yet? Just off-screen people. Yeah, just voices from the other side of doors. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, there was also a cut line of dialogue that I'm thinking. I mean, we're, t we're talking about vampire rules, inviting people in. I read on the Wikipedia that there was a line that Angel said that he eats even from time to time because it helps pass the time. <laughs> like, he, he's not hungry, but it helps him just, like, do something, which I related to. That's really interesting. Oh, I want to say so much about the future, but I won't. Thank you for your uh, uh, ability to hold yourself back. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, there there's stuff about vampire rules in this episode. Like, Angel even waits for Buffy to invite him in, even though he has the vampire permission to come in. Uh, just kind of cordial, which I thought was, like, a fun play on the rules of the world. Also, like, yeah, like, in general, you shouldn't come into someone's house without being like, hey, can I come in? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think that was just, like, being polite. I also can't uh, come in without an invite. Yeah. It's like just being a fucking person. In like modern times. Oh, yeah. no, yeah, you go. Yeah, I was, I think we were going to the same, uh, the same end point here, but I was mm -hmm. going to do a thought experiment. Does like a text inviting somebody over? That's literally that exactly what I was going to ask. <laughs> And then what if it's a text from the phone of the person who owns the home, but it's someone who doesn't own the home? And wow. I think magic knows. I what, think if magic it's a, knows. what if it's I a what if it's a 
Yeah. Does, does the text from a, a, droid, green a green bubble? Does the text from a droid let you come into the home, or is it only iMessage? <laughs> yeah, I think the rule. I think magic knows. A G chat. <laughs> Slack. Anything's possible. Um. What what are we thinking about Xander? I, I do feel like we, because at the end of every episode, obviously, we do talk about the worst Xander moment of the episode. And I, I do feel like it was conceptualized at a time where Xander was being a much worse person generally. Uh, now, obviously, he, he's very he's a very jealous person. Um, but I don't think that it's totally, I mean, obviously, it's because he's sad that he's not with Buffy. But I mean, hating Angel for talking to these teenage girls is not like a bad thing. no. I found there was a worse Xander moment. There was absolutely a worse Xander moment in this episode. Yeah, I'm also thinking of another uh, little comment he made. Sure. Uh, I just yeah, mean, I, I feel like it used to be so he, easy to come up with like four examples. Geez, yeah. doesn't she know any fat guys? <laughs> he is he is growing as a person thanks to his friendship with Buffy, and I'm going to yeah. throw Willow in there too. Um, but he's not done baking yet. No. Yeah, I thought he was really rude to Cordelia in class. Um, and he was really um yeah, he was he made like a bitchy comment to her. I can't remember exactly what it was. And then about Billy, he was like, geez, doesn't she know any fat guys? It's like oh, fucking sh fuck off. Fuck off, Xander. Yeah, um, I do think like at this point in the show, and if 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 we're doing this in real life, like Buffy has rejected his advances so many times at this point i feel like if this was real life they would have cut him out of their friendship yeah, because like he would be annoying nice to be around friend. yeah but because this is tv and they need to include all the actors in the scene xander stays xander stays and xander knows the secret like he you know i think if buffy's not the slayer and she doesn't need like a little Scooby squad to mm -hmm. support her. I think Xander goes away, but because he's in on the secret and like he's Willow's friend, I don't think, and I think Willow is such a simp that she wouldn't be like, Hey, we can't be friends with Xander anymore. Um, I do think they are kind of like stuck together in a way that feels believable and not just like, why is this guy here? But he's such a little bitch. And this is like, you know, before culturally we knew that like the friend zone is really a problematic concept and before like he's such a like I'm a nice guy and I want to I want to punch him in the face. I, I agree. I think that he's probably also doubly jealous of Ford because he like Ford could so easily slot in and just replace Xander. They have the exact same skill sets. Like Willow has like the hacking stuff, and so she sort of has a specialized role on the team. Mm -hmm. And but like Xander and Ford are both dark-haired white guys who one of them Buffy has been friends with since she was like a ten-year-old, and then the other is Xander. So I feel like Xander's probably feeling territorial as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, okay. But what if Ford had stayed a vampire at the end of the episode? Does he replace Angel in the group? <laughs> they don't need a vampire anymore. They got Ford. True. And I do I do think it would be better uh, ethically. I, I, this is actually something I've been exploring myself. It's kind of like, is what are the implications of dating someone who's immortal if you 
are the same age. Like you're you're someone who will you are you're mortal. You'll eventually die, but you were born on like basically the same day as someone who will never die. But who will stay that age forever? Right. So then you're dating somebody and they're a lot younger than you, and that's weird. Oh well, <laughs> I guess I'm thinking of a you yeah, know, yeah, maybe yeah. they continue to mature. But regardless, yeah, I mean the only issue there being Ford wouldn't have a soul. Yes. That is a big, big issue. We get, to, we get, a, I think it was helpful in this episode for, I mean, especially in a non streaming era to remind people about like what being a vampire means. Like you aren't the person anymore. A demon is like in the body controlling it because we're, we, we hear about angels past and you're kind of mm-hmm. like learning about why he is the way he is. Yeah. He was a real bad guy. And now he feels so sad about it. Man pain, man pain. Man pain. <laughs> Entire universes are built around it. Uh, mm-hmm. Mike, what do you think of the Sunset Club vampire cult? Yeah, they were interesting. Um, I think that I am, I am drawn to these types of groups in sort of like a fantasy setting that sort of operate outside of the main group but still have sort of the same information that your main crew has and you get to see sort of how they approach the the mythological creatures or whatever your um your like supernatural thing is um and yeah i think the idea so was everybody in the sunset club have like some sort of terminal illness or do they all just love vampires and only he wanted to be turned? Well, I think they all expected to be turned okay. and they were thinking that Ford like had connections to some vampire who was going to be able to come and turn them all into vampires. They just didn't understand that Ford's deal was that like they could just kill all the other people as long as Ford was turned into a vampire. Got it. Yeah, I actually, I I really like that dynamic, and I, I find it interesting, because um, I guess a lot of the vampire-human interactions we've had this entire series is, like, Buffy and her, her crew are, like, scared of and kill vampires, and vampires kill humans, and you haven't really seen a different part of that dynamic before, of, like, the humans being like attracted to that and and wanting to to become vampires become and like the... who wouldn't want to live forever i mean it, yeah. it makes sense something that people would aspire to especially if they only have some of the information you know like yeah. you know vampires are real but you don't know any vampires so maybe they're really just misunderstood yeah they really bought into i would love to meet the person who's putting the propaganda out about like the lonely ones and they who walk in the night or whatever <laughs> and just sort of why are they who is this vampire out there who's trying to like rebrand to make humans trust vampires yeah it's very smart especially mm-hmm. if it gets them free food mm-hmm. yeah Phil, I mean, because we did, we learned a little bit, or we saw a different sort of approach to hunting humans with Darla in season one. She would be like more flirty and sort of like luring the boys in, uh, rather than just like straight up attacking people in the middle of the night. And I feel like that's a sort of a similar strategy. Yeah. What did what did Spike call it? An all you can eat moron bar. <laughs> I think Buffy called it that. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yes, <laughs> it's a Spike line in in Buffy's mouth. 
Uh, it's sort of just the Whedon-esque dialogue yeah, coming yeah. through. Um, yes. Who? What are, what, any, what, are, what are other thoughts? What do we want to talk about with the episode? I have um, I have my answers to all of the questions you asked, but I don't know what else. Um, sure. Yeah. Just I'm just running through. What do we think? I mean, we did only have one Cordelia moment. Let's talk about it, Marie Antoinette. Um, I do. This is the second time I think that there's been a part in a classroom scene where like Cordelia gives a very unexpected or like non, not irregular answer to or take on. Like we learned about her talk, her talking about Shakespeare. <laughs> she was like not sympathetic to like Shylock or something. Um, and now here she is, very very big on Marie Antoinette. Yeah, the Cher Horowitz really jumps out <laughs> of Cordelia this episode and i love it i love cordelia she's my she's my favorite character <laughs> so anything she says i'm like i agree <laughs> even and if you you're know, wrong I, agree. I you know i don't think she's necessarily wrong about marie antoinette either i feel like she is a tragic historical figure um who is misunderstood in the 21st century full agree and i think it's an interesting Maybe it's not necessarily an Easter egg, but you go from Buffy in the last episode being turned into a woman from the 1700s. And the very next episode, you got a Marie Antoinette drop. The previous episode was that Halloween one. Mm -hmm. Xander, was that the, ar the army one? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. He's Look actually that. a gun dressed as an army man <laughs> he only bought the gun from the costume shop the army uh reserve or the army surplus store provided the costume um yeah I, I mean i definitely that definitely goes i'll write that in my document uh of all the cordelia buffy uh interactions and the secret <laughs> cult following that they're in love uh that i very I, if there was a sunset club devoted to buffy and cordelia being together I'd be locked in. <laughs> You'll be like, I live and die by this. I agree. Uh, so what do we, the, a running theme in this episode was Ford kind of like being a, the writer of his own fate or like sort of half being envisioning his life as a TV show. Obviously, with the meta commentary, he actually is in a TV show. But he, and there's even a point where they're watching Dra like a an old version of Dracula at the Sunset Club, and he, like, not even thinking about it, slips into lip syncing along to the movie. Like he's so invested in like writing. Uh, and what what do we read into that? He would have killed on TikTok. <laughs> True or Drag Race. I did feel like there was uh, some drag or trans readings involved in the Sunset Club. They all pick new names. They're going through a major transformation, or they want to anyway. Uh, and sort of, you become a different person, and you, uh, it's sort of, uh, the, people envision it as becoming this, like, better version of themselves, perhaps, or closer to their true self, that kind of thing, empowering themselves. I'm into it. I I would welcome a return from the Sunset Club, mm. or like I, another some sort of society like them. Yeah, I mean, these people definitely didn't just go away, uh, but they did get a closer look at what a vampire is all about. 
would love to know how they're taking that on in the future. Uh, Wait, okay. I also want to. Did we talk about the Giles and Jenny plot, which mostly no. happened off screen, but we get a little bit more insight into their burgeoning relationship, the types of things that Jenny is into. She seems to be pretty spontaneous. Love her. Um, she likes to surprise Giles. Do we think this is a relationship that's going to last? She's a queen. I love Jenny. I love Jenny Calendar. Big time. Love her. Mike, I mean, yeah, you're, you're asking a question that we should be asking you. Uh, what are your thoughts on Jenny and Giles through the first several episodes? Uh, Mike says there's music outside, but I didn't notice it when you turn on your mic. See if we can hear it. Can you hear it? No. Okay. Um, it's great. I mean, I think, I think J Jenny is very good for Giles to, to come out of his shell to learn more about American culture. Um, he seems pretty, you know, stiff, uptight, loves his one outfit that Jenny reads him on this episode. But as we noted in one episode recently, he was wearing something different than the like sweater vest and jacket. Yeah, I can't remember what it was now, but he had like a polo on or something. It was very bizarre. Uh, I, I agree, they're good. I she's In this episode, it was all about Giles and Jenny going on another date in this like C plot, I guess, uh, which we do not see. But it, it, Jenny doesn't tell Giles where they're going, and we eventually get it revealed that she took him to a monster truck rally, which made me laugh, uh, especially because that was one of uh, that, uh, many years ago. Mike and I were talking about what we should do together when we were going to get together, and I did ask if he was interested in going to a monster truck rally, just sort of because we didn't really know each other or what we would like to do uh, that well. I was like, "Is this something you're interested in?" And you were like, "No," and I said, "Okay, then we won't do it." Wow, I don't even remember that being an option for us. When would we have gone to a monster truck rally? This was in the uh, tragically didn't happen Airbnb trip between DC and Pittsburgh when we were going to oh. meet in the middle. Uh, and then I had a COVID exposure, and so we had to cancel and replan. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll get there someday. Now that I know Jenny is into monster truck shows, I'm going to have to change my entire personality. But yeah, I think I, I do see this this relationship having legs. Um, I think she challenges him in a good way. You know, I'm not seeing what really she's getting out of this relationship yet. I'm not seeing what Giles is really bringing to the table. Um, <laughs> so rude. What but, I like is that she acknowledges that he's hot. Yeah. And I thought someone is, gonna, is saying it. She gets to have sex and he gets to up his his street ride a little bit. Definitely. I could see uh, them, you know, having the tragic sort of like TV breakup, but then they come back together in later seasons. We'll see. We will see. Uh, we're talking about relationships. Spike and Drew. I feel like this is another one that was at the forefront of this episode. Mike, how are you feeling about our like team rocket of uh, season two? You know, I drew, I, you know, I was drawn to her immediately and learning more about her, her very tragic backstory this episode. It just made me love her even more. I want to take care of her um, and be her friend. Um, so, yeah, I guess have we did this episode clear up some of the like relationship timelines uh, between 
Spike and Drusilla and Angel because we had known in a previous episode that Angel like sort of knew them or like they were known to each other and now Angel you know ruined Drew's entire life um and then turned her into a badass vampire where did did we learn where Spike sort of entered into that relationship not no, yet we don't have the timeline okay. on it um there actually is a mistake that they made in a previous episode that gives you false information about <laughs> where he comes into the timeline so i won't even say it to confuse okay me. well if it didn't stick with me i'm gonna leave it where it's uh, where it is it's, it's so interesting i can't think of any specific examples but watching this episode and like i know so much about buffy lore and i feel like even even like how ford becomes a vampire i feel was like not real in the way that we like later learned that this is how you turn vampires maybe i'm wrong mm -hmm. but i just i feel like there there were some early inconsistencies uh that later whatever i don't even know what i'm saying it's just I funny to watch early episodes and be like this is not you guys haven't figured it out yet i it i i it is an interesting scene i do think that there's nothing like fully incorrect about Ford turning into a vampire. We learn in the pilot that to become a vampire, they have to suck your blood and then you have to suck their blood. It's a whole sucking thing, um, which I guess happened. And then he, but then you die, which Ford did die. Uh, and then, then and most vampires we do see coming out of the ground. So like, I guess, did Buffy like take Ford and bury him? That's the thing. It's like, because I think being buried is part of the process of becoming a vampire. So it's not like it's incorrect. It's more just like, why did we do, why did we finish it anyway? It, but no, because in season one, they also showed somebody on like the gurney at a, whatever it's called, come into a, become a vampire. But yeah. what was I going to say? I just like, uh, I can't think. Of it. Maybe Buffy, maybe they didn't know if he was going to become a vampire, which is why they yeah, were there. So it's like, bury him, or, and he either becomes a vampire or not. Or we can go home. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I haven't, I haven't rewatched the early seasons in so long. So it's nice to see stuff. Cause I, I really love the later seasons. Um, and those are the ones that I, if I'm going to sit down and like watch a season of television, I'll just, you know, pick a random episode of the later ones. Um, but it's very sweet. I agree. I think that the final scene is why this episode exists. Uh, and I think it's so great to have the fight be so simple. Like Ford only comes back to life for like one second. And I think that it's really great. Like in this episode, there's never a full two seconds where you're worried that Buffy might like lose the fight. Like that's not what the show is about really. It's about like, the emotions and all the stuff. I, I really love when they just like move past the action and just like make it more about like the dynamics, which I felt like was really good in this episode. The vampires break into the Sunset Club and like basically instantly Buffy stops it and gets everybody out by like threatening Drew. She knows Spike is a simp. Spike is a, a caring partner. Um, and he, he loves Drew. He loves and her. I love Spike for loving Drew. That's how I, we, that I, I feel like, yeah, like with Ford, they gave him cancer. With Spike, they gave him Drew to get us on the side <laughs> you know, of the villain. Sometimes it's cancer. Sometimes it's your girlfriend. But, okay, wait. Oh, this was, okay. We talked about, 
like the demon takes over the body thing and we talked about angel torturing drew but how does that add up like the demon took over drew's body but is still a you know strange persona it's either that the demon is also uh off its rocker as it were or maybe there were permanent physical damages done to drew's brain by the trauma that angel uh what did he say visited on her um and you know maybe trauma is physical mentally well you know i i in my opinion the demon takes over but you i think the demon is an extreme version of what was already there um so he drove drusilla to insanity and so she became extremely insane <laughs> um and as we learn more about these vampires and who they were before they were vampires i think that that becomes really clear that like what's already there just gets amplified and sort of distilled um it's more of like a like a merging than a complete replacement even though like obviously the soul leaves but i think what was already there um amplifies in my opinion it has your memories it's just walking around with them yeah it has your memories but i think it also has your core like values like sort of what you prioritize is still there i don't know i think that makes sense um Great. Any final thoughts before we move into our segments of the show? No. Great. Then we will talk about our finalysis. Uh, I look into the meta posts written on Tumblr. Uh, this is coming to us from Her Insect Reflection, which it, it is a Tumblr blog who has written seemingly an essay about every single episode of this show. Um, this is a selection from their essay about Lie to Me. We know that Giles' final words to Buffy are lies, both in regards to life and to the show. We know this, and Buffy knows this too. And yet, she chooses to be lied to. She acknowledges the truth, but just as in the scene with Angel in the dining room, she defends her right to decide whether or not to hear it. She tells us herself that she is not quite ready to grow up. She'll get there, just give her time. In this moment, she accepts reality and the horrific indifference of existence. She only asks to be allowed to look away from it for a moment and to enjoy a moment of peace. She allows Giles to treat her as a child. Uh, and then she says, she allows, her, she allows Giles to treat her as a child as an object, which I disagree with. Uh, that is what she needs in this moment. Uh, that, when all is said and done, is her choice, which I love. I, like she, After oh, an entire episode of, like, Buff, people lying to Buffy for her greater good. I feel like there was a Angel was like sometimes lies are necessary, and a lot of people chose to lie to Buffy because it was necessary in this episode. And now she's finally w wishing somebody would lie to her. And then at the end, she's like recognizing that it didn't even really help that much. Spot on. Period. Uh, great. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Go fans, indeed. Uh, anyway, moving on to the biggest slay. This is the moment of the episode that made you say slay. Uh, Taylor, what was the moment of the episode that made you say slay? Um, interesting. The, the moment of the episode that made me say slay was probably when um, Angel is at the bronze. Or no, he's at the Sunset Club. And he's like, these people don't know anything about vampires or how they dress. And then uh, one of the wannabe guys walks in wearing the exact same outfit as Angel. Um, I was like, slay, Rando. You get it. Uh, Mike, what was your biggest slay? Uh, 
my biggest slay. Oh, sorry. Uh, my biggest slay. Seeing Jenny back. Uh, we've done episodes without Jenny Calendar. Um, although she has been name dropped, uh, it, it was great to see her back. Sort of reminding everybody that she's there. Um, I feel like she could have helped a little bit more if they had brought her in. Uh, it, now that we've got, I do find it interesting. And I guess this is just sort of like casting background, but like you've got Willow and Jenny who both like have computer skills, but they only ever go to Willow for computer stuff with the Scooby gang. True. Uh, it's a, Yeah, she really didn't do very much in this episode. She was pretty much, she was in the scene where Buffy brought them, brought her and Giles back from their date, but that scene was really quick and Buffy just kind of like headed off after she saw the photograph of Drusilla. <laughs> so glossy. Yeah. It was great seeing her again. I am going to call the writers out though now. I feel like we've had like two, I feel like they're turning Jenny into this like kooky side character that Giles dates who goes to Burning Man, goes to monster truck rallies. And I feel like they're just going to use her as comedic relief or to to show that she's very different from Giles. I'm calling them like out and I'm I'm calling them out and asking them for a real plot. Well, once upon a time you said it was time for a Willow centric episode and they delivered the very next episode. So perhaps uh the Dark Age, as the next episode <laughs> is called, will be about Jenny. Wow. Um, my biggest slay, definitely, obviously, the final scene. Probably the best uh, ending to it. Well, I, I mean, the Buffy and Giles relationship is just so good. And if there was an episode, uh, season one, episode five, uh, Never Kill a Boy on the First Date, that also ended in a kind of very similar Buffy-Giles moment where they're talking about life and growing up and Buffy's newfound thoughts after bringing a boy around to be a part of her life uh and ultimately he didn't end up dying but they whatever i feel like it was it was a very clear parallel and i just love this final moment between them and as i said before i love that the like fight is not prolonged at all it happens in like one second i felt like it was it's, it's exactly what i want out of a fight on the show moving on to fashion moment taylor what's the thing that somebody wore that you'd like to spotlight on this episode um, well, other than everything Jenny Calendar wears, because she is like, I want to copy and paste Jenny Calendar onto me in 2023, um, which was truly like an accomplishment. Um, I think my favorite fashion moment was, uh, I think her name was Chanterelle, which is a mushroom, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> which is an interesting vampire name to choose for yourself. Uh, just those like black like little dresses with the gigantic Victorian choker and the blue eyeshadow. I was like, you're doing the most and I respect you. I, respect I love that. Your yeah. I thought that I, I, as we've gone further into the show, there's been less at poppy eye drawing fashion decisions, but there was a lot of that going on in the sunset club, especially Diego, uh, his new name, uh, with the gigantic blue cape that he wore all the time. Um, and as you said, Chantrell too. Yeah, just a full portrait on her neck. I was like, <laughs> you've, you've done it. She knows her aesthetic. Uh, Mike, what's your fashion moment of the episode? Yeah, I, I, 
I hope the the gang takes some inspiration from their their trip to the Sunset Club this week. Um, they're needing it. Uh, yeah, weak fashion overall from our main crew this week. But I thought Willow was wearing an interesting shirt in like an early scene in the bronze. It was very bright color-wise, especially compared to what everyone else was wearing. So your eyes were drawn to it. And it had some sort of weird design. It wasn't faces necessarily. I couldn't really tell what it was, but it was an interesting design. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So good for Willow. She's been she's been killing the, the fashion lately, um, sort of taking over Buffy's role in the group. <laughs> serving. Uh, serving and slaying. I, I, no, yeah. I, I think that Willow... I feel like generally people remember the strange fashion of the show because Willow wore it. Uh, and so I think we'll be keeping an eye out on her fashion journey throughout the years. Um, I have a couple of fashion moments. Taylor mentioned one already. I mean, they literally did a bit with the clothing angel in the sky wearing the same thing. So got to call it out. Um, there's also this like Buffy wears this like black sheer top with like plaid pants and white shoes. Like she, she it, for like the final part of the episode, she looks so good. And then also when she goes to find Ford's body, she has like she's wearing like a dress and heels. Like she goes to like do this investigation in this like totally done up look, uh, which I thought was very very funny. Yeah, it was very Carrie Bradshaw of her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's like I'm going to see my ex-boyfriend. I've got to look good <laughs> to kill him. She she wanted his final things he saw before she staked him to be her looking good as hell. I respect her. Me too. Moving on, Xander Slander. We've touched on it a bit. Uh, Taylor, what was the worst moment Xander had in the episode? Yeah, I mean, I've already said it, but uh, doesn't she know any fat guys? I was like, shut up. Same. Tell me. Uh, yeah. Mike, how are you? That was mine. Just, you know, Joss really likes to make sure we're all reminded that the character he sees himself as sucks. <laughs> so true. It's so you would think that if you were writing a self insert, you would make him, and I like this was a sympathetic character in the 90s, I guess, but it's just, it's so funny how not standing the test of time it is. Like most of the characters say things that you disagree with or are like, oh, well, this character would never say that if the show was made in 2023. But like Xander, it's like every single episode is like funneling the worst thoughts a human can have out into the universe. Yeah. Did you have any, did you have a Xander slander or more uh, a thought on? Well, I, yeah, I think that <laughs> just generally Xander's jealousy of Ford is bad. Like when, when Ford and Buffy are like talking and it's like becoming clear that they're friends or whatever, the look on Xander's face is like so pissed that he's not being like brought into the conversation. And it's just like they're like they haven't seen each other like that. Just give them like one second. Um, and just it, I, I, and I, in my mind, I thought that Willow was going to be jealous like Xander too, but I, she like kind of just brushes it off. She's like, oh, I guess there's a new guy. Uh, and so it makes Xander look even worse by comparison. I do want to just comment on it very quickly. It was just very weird that when Buffy and Ford meet for the first time again, she just like holds his hand and like drags him along to the couch to be like, come meet Xander and Willow. That was just very strange to me. I don't think I've ever grabbed a friend's hand like that. Um, they like, come with me. I do it when I have a crush on someone. <laughs> so maybe Xander does have a reason to be threatened. 
and and he he does because Buffy doesn't like him at all. So <laughs> any physical contact with another man is someone who she, he's she's doing more with him than with Xander. Well, she Moving. did do that dance. He'll always have that dance, <laughs> and we and it'll always be burned into our memories. Uh, moving on, final segment. She slayed. Uh, who's your favorite character of the episode, Taylor? I mean, it was Buffy. This is a very good Buffy episode. Uh, I love Buffy so much, and I just want to like take her and hold her and be like, "Hey, man, it's okay. It's okay." I love that. Yeah, I'd love to be her. Like, I'd love. I'd be Buffy's watcher. I feel like I'd be. Well, no, Giles does a really good job. I'd like to be. I'd like to be something to her, you know, maybe another teacher at the school, just sort of like someone who gets it could be kind of like in a, in a cool way. Like the cool English teacher. That's like, you should write poetry. Right. <laughs> I feel like she'd have a lot to say. I feel like if she did morning pages every day, she would be uh, really, it would really help her a lot. I think. <laughs> you show up on the show for one episode to give Buffy a copy of the artist way. And then just like, disappear. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. She's about to self-actualize. <laughs> she, she reads her uh affirmations every morning. Or maybe she needs to go on date by herself. Absolutely. That is something Buffy needs. Ab definitely. And, and and be there to be like, hey, patrolling does not count as an artist date. <laughs> uh Mike, who is your favorite character of the episode? Uh, gonna give it up to Drew, uh, just learning more about her tragic backstory this episode made me love her even more, um, and I hope she gets the help she needs. True. Buffy should do Artist Way, Drew should go to therapy, uh, we're helping these characters out in this episode. Uh, I'm gonna agree with Taylor, love Buffy, uh, kind of, I feel like it's all, for almost every episode, other than I'd say probably the aforementioned dancing episode, it's a pretty sure bet that Buffy's going to be one of the best characters. Uh, <laughs> and in this episode, is no different. It's all about her and her emotions and her thoughts and feelings on everybody on the show. And so it's all funneled through her. Uh, and I love Buffy Summers. Um, oh, and we actually do have a five-star review that we can read on the show this week. Um, this comes to us from Taylor Margs, who says, amazing. I've been loving the, plot, the pod. Keep up the Xander slander. So good job, everybody, on this week. Um, next episode is called The Dark Age. Mike, do you have any predictions based on the title of next week's episode? Well, The Dark Age... We'll say, if we're going into a dark age of no Jenny again, that's not going to be good. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we will. I don't know. Yeah, no predictions. I bet it's... there's going to be some slaying. We can only hope. Um, finally, plugs. And before we get there, Taylor, thank you so much for being here. This was so fun. Um, thank you for being on. This was such a lovely time. Thank you so much for having having me. I don't know why I can't talk. Thank you. Of course. Uh, what would you like to plug? Um. Please watch Lucky Hank on AMC, which premieres uh, March 19th and will be on every Sunday on AMC and AMC Plus. Please sign up for a free trial of AMC Plus and then forget to cancel it. Um, that would mean so much to me and my career. And I want us to get a season two so I can keep doing this job because I love it so, so much. 
Um, if you like Bob Odenkirk, you'll like the show. Um, if you don't like Bob Odenkirk, you probably won't. Um, so that's an important thing to know. Um, yeah, that's all I got going on. It sounds great. Uh, Mike, what would you like to plug? Well, I like Bob Odenkirk, so I'm also going to plug Lucky Hank. Um, <laughs> and I will be watching. Um, what else do I want to plug? We're at Buffy Boyfriends on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I think that's it. Oh, um, watch Vanderpump Rules. There is a Buffy reference in the Lost season, so <laughs> it's good. True, you sent me a screenshot today. Uh, you can follow me at Sam Stanish everywhere. Follow my other podcast at Bitter Drews Pod everywhere. By the time this comes out, we will have uh, recapped the season 44 of Survivor premiere with Evie Jagoda from season 41. Uh, and I'm doing that in about 15 minutes. Um, anyway, that's pretty much it for me. Uh, if you live in New York, come to my improv class show uh, on March 18th. The day before Lucky Hank premieres, you can go straight from uh, straight from my improv show on weekend. Saturday. Hmm? Weekend, yeah, a huge weekend. Um, and yeah, I think that's also Sam's birthday that weekend. True, March nineteenth is real. Lucky Hank, it's more like Lucky Sam. I get to watch a new <laughs> Bob Odenkirk project on my birthday. Uh, and oh, I if you live in New York, follow you can and you like Survivor, come to Crystal Lake. We have watch parties every single week. I produce those. Uh, and okay, now I think I'm done. Once again, Taylor, thank you so much for being here. This was awesome. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Taylor. Bye. Slay. <laughs>